welcome to a future for us and happy new year i am your host joelle alexandria and i conduct audio documentaries interviews and stories as it pertains to us in our modern world check out our instagram a future for us and for inquiries email a future for us 99 at gmail.com if you want to get to know me a little more follow my public account at joelle.a.alexandria j-o-e-l-l-e and my twitter at wjoelle in this episode i sit down with vanessa gallant the producer and now documentarian and her journey to document how COVID-19 has impacted the field of education in the United States for students and teachers alike. Her new COVID-19 documentary, Toxic Positivity, is an independent film about the toxic positivity surrounding our lives and we fail to acknowledge the inequity and inequality in education. I actually thought this was a pretty clever title because many people are really trying to make the best of their current situations and assume other people have the same agency as they do, thus creating a false reality that everything is okay when it's actually not okay. Join us as we talk about Galant's behind-the-scenes journey through the making of an indie film. This includes her experience as a producer in the industry, how TikTok inspired her, advice for young content creators and artists, as well as the expectations of creating this indie film. Welcome to part one of Creating Toxic Positivity. Welcome to A Future For Us. Today we have a very special guest who is a producer and documentarian. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, my name is Vanessa Gallant and I'm a filmmaker and video producer editor. Um, I've done all kinds of video work from news, events, uh, corporate, commercial, and short form documentary films. Um, But today I'm here to talk about a new film that I'm doing that is a feature length film um, called Toxic Positivity. That's the first time hearing of the title, so I got like really excited. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on to the show. Today's episode will be about your upcoming COVID-19 documentary, Toxic Positivity. So can you speak more about this film in terms of the goal and narrative you're trying to portray? Sure, and first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So the film, uh, again, it, the title is Toxic Positivity. That's, um, we just came up with the title very recently. And uh, the film is about the educational system in the US, specifically public education, and how COVID has impacted the film. Um, I originally was like, I wanna do something about COVID and I don't know what, like some industry. And I was kind of talking to all sorts of people about different ideas, but I started talking to teachers and parents about the struggles of this school year. Um, and it was just very interesting to me. And it was like, this is a really important topic. Like someone needs to be talking about it. Cause I don't see, it is talked about, but the way it's talked about is kind of, um, it's not the full story. So the documentary, one of the goals is to really kind of, um, give the full story of what has been happening in schools this year. So the film is going to feature 
teachers, students, parents, and some experts talking about the process of reopening schools and virtual learning and how that's been working and not working. Um, I think what we've been seeing is that there are a lot of holes in education. Um, there's a lot of inequity in education. And I think this was known before, but during COVID, I think we're really learning that it's worse than we imagined. And COVID has just really exposed all these um, gaps and just put it on a national stage. Um, so that's kind of the main goal, but there are some other goals too. Like I'm, I'm really interested in featuring what the impacts have been on the learning and developmental process for kids and the mental health for like everybody, like all the adults, all the kids, like what are the long and short-term mental health um, implications of all of this? It's been a tough year. It really, really has, but I feel like everybody has this really like awakened optimism due to the new year. You gotta remember that like COVID-19 won't go away just cause it's, just because the clock struck midnight and now it's 2021. I think we can learn a lot from 2020. So I guess toxic positivity, the title, does that come in terms of how people are treating the pandemic as educators and as students, as something you gotta just keep smiling, you gotta just keep moving and just keep trying to make the best of it? Yeah, so I came up with the title because I kept hearing that term constantly, mostly from teachers and parents. I haven't really heard any, heard any students say that, um, but a lot of teachers have been saying like, you know, we're expected to just keep a smile on our face and be like, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong here. And then parents are kind of like in the same situation where they're just like, a lot of them are talking about how they just like don't know what to tell kids. Like, it's so difficult to have like the conversation, they have to have some kind of conversation, but it's like, you know, you don't want to scare your kids. So it's like a lot of like, yeah, things are not great right now. And yeah, you can't go to school like with your friends or like, if you do go to school with your friends, you gotta stay really far away from them and don't touch them or get too close and don't, sharing is good, but don't do that right now mm. <laughs> and stuff like that. And then also be like, but it's okay. It's really okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> So I'm hearing that a lot. So it, and I just thought it was an interesting um, uh, concept. And I, I don't know. I just, I also love irony, and I love the irony in that, um, in that term. So I, I, it's possible it could change again. But for right now, that is the working title of the film, and I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, it seems like something we can all definitely relate to. Is this your first d film or documentary? This is the first um, feature-length documentary film I'm doing on my own. I've worked on tons of documentary short form and feature-length films, but um, I've never produced one on my own before. So this is this is my first one I'm producing solo. Nice. So can you discuss a little bit more about your journey into producing films and how you knew where you wanted to be and how you got to this moment of producing your first independent film. Yeah, so um, I will admit I, I am kind of one of the weird ones. When I was a kid, I, I knew immediately I wanted to do films. Like I was just fascinated with film and TV as a kid. And I just, I really love storytelling. That's really what it came down to was like, I love storytelling, but through the medium of video and, and TV. And um, 
it is funny, like I grew up not really wanting to be anything else other than someone who made that, who made film and TV. And um, it is funny, I remember when I was like in high school and I was like getting ready to go off to film school and like my siblings were like, right behind me and they're starting to think about college and I was like, well, what do you want to be? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, how do you not know? Like, I just, and they were like, you need to realize you're weird. Like most people don't know what they want to be when they grow up. And I was like, oh, they don't? Like that concept to me was so odd because mm -hmm. I've just always known that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I went into uh, film school and um, my goal was to go out to Hollywood and start making like big feature films. And, you know, I wanted to do like some really cool like dramas and like maybe some action flicks and like stuff like that. And I wanted to be a director. And I realized in film school, I actually hate directing. Uh. <laughs> I don't hate it. I, I shouldn't say I hate it, but like, it's not what makes me happiest. I actually love producing and editing. Um, I like directing. I actually realized I like directing more with um, documentary. I like directing like real people, like actors is not really my jam. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I went to, I finished up film school and then I was considering moving out to um, LA. I live in Boston and I went to school in Boston and I was considering moving out to LA. Um, and it didn't work out for me for a lot of reasons and i was devastated at the time but in retrospect i'm so happy um because a lot of my friends did end up doing that and what i found out is that la is kind of like it's like a assembly line like you kind of do one thing like you are a a assistant editor you are a uh gaffer and that's kind of your one track you have your one job and that's what you do um get to work on some cool projects but like you do one thing and I realized that's actually not really for me like mm -hmm. I'm very much like I kind of like wearing different hats and I like doing different things like that to me is is what I thrive off of is um you know not predictability just having different things and jumping into different things um learning new skills like I love that stuff and I realized had LA worked out for me that wouldn't have been my life it would have been very different um, so I'm really glad I ended up staying in the Boston and New York area, and that's basically where I've been working out of. Um, and uh, the other thing that was just challenging, too, is even though I stayed here and I had connections here and stuff, um, getting into the industry, especially for, like, women, it's really difficult to break into the industry. Um, so I've kind of had to do some, like, like smaller projects and and make my own projects to kind of build up a resume and get to a point where like, now this this is what I do. I do video and film full time and I get paid for it, which is awesome. Um, but it took a really long time of like getting people to take me seriously, um, which I think a lot of women in this industry will tell you getting taken seriously is like, it's, it's not easy to get people to look at you that way and treat you as an equal and a professional. Um, I think thankfully with me too, I'm, I'm hopeful that the next generation won't have to deal with that crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, I got very lucky and I definitely worked really hard to get to this point. And, um, I've always wanted to do documentary film. Like I, I worked in news for a while and I loved news, even though it broke my heart, like all the time. Um, yeah, it's so overwhelming. It is. Yeah. And, um, I got to the point where like, I covered some really big stories that were horrible and I was like I can't this isn't for me I don't want to do this anymore so then I ended up um, m moving into 
um, a corporate position where like I was doing kind of short form documentary and I actually really love that because it's kind of like news. It's the style of news, but it's like more storytelling based. Mm -hmm. And I loved that, even though I didn't really love that job very much, but I loved that aspect of it. So then I was like, I want to do a feature like documentary film one day. And I just kept thinking about it and I couldn't figure out exactly what the topic was. And then with COVID, I was like, yeah, there's definitely some opportunities here. And also like I can do it remotely. Um, I don't have to fly all over the country and come up with a budget for that. Like I can do remote um, interviews and such with all the technology that's available now. Yeah, it reminds me of the new style of movies where they're very meta. Have you seen the movie called Searching where they have the whole story on the format of from the perspective of an iPad, like they're filming him opening and closing um, documents and just like asking himself questions about where his daughter possibly, I mean, let me stop because I, I don't want to give too much away, <laughs> but that sort of reminds me of kind of like a journey unseen, but at the same time, so like, so accessible, something that we can all relate to. Yeah, and you're so lucky that you found out what you wanted to do at such a such a young age. I, I still know people who are, are who are searching, but I mean, everybody goes at their own time. Totally. Yeah. I it, like I said, I didn't realize how weird it was that I was like the only like I don't think I really know anybody else who was like I've known since I was three I was gonna do this thing like yeah and I it, it's just one of those things that didn't occur to me until my sister pointed out it was like you're weird. <laughs> When I was three, I think I wanted to be a fashion designer. <laughs> what That's a cool. different world that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> you always thought about producing your own film, but you never really expected it would be a COVID-19 documentary, or what did you expect your first film or feature film to be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... You know, I had like toyed around. I love history. History is something that I just really love. And I was kind of like, um, I had all these ideas about like how I could do some really cool like films about like historical sites. Mm -hmm. And like, I would just need access to the site and do something really cool. Cause like, you know, that's all just like really having fun with like a cool camera and getting awesome, you know, camera angles and this and that. And then talking to some cool like people who can give like, you know, tell some stories about what's happened in this place. So that was some stuff I was toying around with, but then like, I just never, I just never got enough of, um, enough stuff in line to actually go out and do that. And also like that would cost a good amount of money to get mm -hmm. all that equipment that I would need to light things properly and stuff. And I was just like, oh, I'm scared of money. I don't want to do that. Um, so I didn't do it. And then with uh, COVID, like, we're living in a historical event right now. And again, I, I really like history. So that definitely like crossed my mind. I'm like, this is history right now. And we should be documenting it. And I know I'm, I'm far from the only person that's doing a film about COVID-19. Um, but yeah, and again, the other part of it that really stuck out to me was like, there's some really great new technology and platforms that allow you to do high quality um, interviews through a computer or through an iPhone those things didn't exist three, three, five years ago. Um, so now they exist and it's like, well, if I can just get that, then I can do this and like, I can interview people. And also I don't think it's weird to have a film that's all these 
you know, these angles of like uh, documentaries of people sitting at their desks or sitting at their kitchen table, because that's what we were doing. That yeah. is what we're doing. So it's like, it's not that weird to me. I think if I did this in any other time frame, it would be weird, but it works with the subject matter. Yeah, absolutely. What prompted you or what inspired you to create a type of documentary about toxic positivity in the classrooms? Was there a specific interview or specific instance that struck you like as in, huh? Like you, you and before you were mentioning how this is something you really want to speak about because it was interesting. What made it interesting to you? Yeah, so um, I didn't know what I wanted to focus the film on. I just knew that I wanted to do something about COVID and some sort of industry. Like I was considering the justice system for a hot second. I was considering like, um, what else was I considering? Uh, universities and just different things like that. And um, I, on a whim, I, I got a TikTok account. I had zero <laughs> followers. And I just saw like a bunch of like teachers talking about their experience. And I was like, I should talk to some teachers. So I just made a video of me being like, hi, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I might be doing a film on COVID in the schools. Does any, do any teachers want to tell me about their experience? I thought I would get five responses. I kid you not, it got viewed um, over a hundred thousand times in like two days. And I got thousands of direct messages from teachers from all over the country being like, oh my God, I have a story for you. And it was so overwhelming. Like, and I just reading all these messages, um, it was so inspiring because like, yes, it was like some stuff that was like, it's so difficult. But then there was like, some people had some great silver linings and some people were like, actually, I think this, we have learned so many great things that I don't think we ever would have learned otherwise. And that to me really was like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Had this not happened, we never would have figured out like all these things and how we could make things better for the future. And that's something that I'm really, I'm not, I'm not really interested in making something that's like, everything's terrible. And like, look at all these bad things that are happening. Like, I do want to have some sort of hope, some sort of optimism in there. And that's really what drew me to the subject matter was like all these teachers telling me like, yes, it's been really difficult, but I'm seeing some stuff that's really interesting that could change the future. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I wanna to talk to them. Like, that's really cool. And from talking to teachers for the last, like, oh, I think it's been three or four months at this point, I've been talking to teachers um, from all over the country and I've just learned so much and there's so many interesting um, stories out there about this topic. Yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting that you use TikTok. What's your handle? If you feel um, comfortable. Is, yeah, sure. It's Vanessa Igalant. G-A-L-L-A-N-T. That's my last name. Nice, nice. It's, yeah. it's interesting that you pick teachers because there's also a lot of students on there. Did you do the same like um, message for students to say, hey, come share your stories? Yes, it didn't do as well. And I think it's because I'm not hip enough. Um, I need to, <laughs> I need to like, I think I need to like get somebody who's way cooler than me who can like do that and get their attention. I think like they see me and they're like, old person, bye. Like, <laughs> like maybe. I think 
Yeah, I don't know. I need to figure it out, but I didn't get a good response. I ended up taking the video down because it just like did so abysmally and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> well, a lot of people or a lot of students have just gone on TikTok unprompted and shared their grievances. Like if you I'm not sure like if if you're like if you've been on it for a long time and have tailored your feed like do you know what that means to like yeah and then you start receiving videos that you would want but if you like learn how to tailor it as a teenager you start to see what we see and we complain a lot and there are a lot of people in university high school even middle school i was so surprised that there are middle schoolers but they always make videos about online learning and how they're so bored how they're done how it's easy to cheat like there's so many ways to get around doing something that you don't want to do with online school it's interesting, I haven't really seen the optimism as much as, or like, I've seen heartwarming pieces where students come together and all turn their cameras on and have like, heartwarming messages for their teachers, like, like just hang in there, can't wait to see you next semester, or something like that. It's always yeah. sweet, but there's definitely a lot of, a lot more complaining than there is actually enjoying this experience. Oh, especially for university, and especially in my university, there have been a lot of petitions to to decrease tuition for domestic students and international students and especially in, in, in New York too like there's just a little bit a lot of people saying well if this is the college experience then I might not want this anymore so it's definitely very challenging but I'm glad that you're gonna show like two sides like the educators and the students because we often forget that there are also other sides for these things that not everybody's looking at like there there are all these different sides and some of them they only all these sides tell part of the truth not the whole truth so i really appreciate that in your documentary yeah that's something that's really important to me is show different sides like what i do plan to do with this film is like show different perspectives and talk about the different issues and then i want to end the film with different ideas about how we can move forward and how how can we take this awful experience and how can we learn from it, use it as a teaching moment and make ourselves better for the future? Like, how, how do we do that? Um, and I don't wanna like focus on any particular viewpoint or any particular thing. I wanna show a bunch of them and let the viewers decide. And if there's any that they're like, that's a really cool idea, I'm about that, then they can they can get involved in their own and do whatever makes sense and you know, um, how they can push that forward. Um, but yeah, I just like, I don't, I think a lot of documentary filmmakers fall into this thing is like, and then it kind of turns into like almost like a propaganda piece and it has mm -hmm. its very specific agenda. And I don't, I'm not interested in that type of filmmaking at all. Well, that's definitely refreshing. <laughs> I realize producers wear many hats. So what's your role or roles as a producer of your film? What I've kind of learned is that there's like two main types of producers and this is kind of industry wide. There's like the creative producer, which is what I've always done, which is like, you know, you're more involved with like shaping the story and like, you know, finding talent to interview um, and, you know, scheduling and all that. And then there's like the more businessy side of producing, which I have actually never done before. And the businessy side of producing is like the people who figure out the money and figure out distribution and figure out, you know, um, uh, getting it out there, getting eyeballs on it. That is new for me. That's a new hat. I've never worn that hat before. Um, 
and it, it's been really interesting um, having to learn all this stuff. I'm actually about to embark on a fundraising campaign. I've never had to do that before. So I'm learning. I'm really, really lucky though. I happen to know a lot of amazing people who fundraise for a living. Mm -hmm. So I've just been like texting them like, hey, do you got five minutes? Can you answer this question for me? Um, and I know some people who are really good at writing grants. So I'm going to be asking them for, for some help and some advice on like how I can apply for grants and stuff. So that's a brand new hat for me. But the other side of producing is really the fun stuff that I like, which is, you know, figuring out the story, writing, mm -hmm. like helping with writing, um, you know, uh, figuring out who to interview and um, figuring out what points we want to make in this film and like what we want viewers to think and feel and 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 um you know what they should get out of it that stuff to me is like the most fun yeah i can imagine i think that and especially pushing pushing out something and trying to get people to watch it it's so it's so personal because this is your work right like it's like this is my heart this is what i've been pouring into please look at it like that, that's kind of what I've been doing for um, my podcast as well because when I when I produce episodes now I have to go to different people and be like hey hey look at this guys or not like I don't see it as this but it's seen as very much very but you have to be in their face that's the thing you have to do it and say here look at it and let them choose whether they want to watch it or not so it's definitely very scary as a content producer and and just a person who makes art how do you how do you feel about that <laughs> yeah um yeah it's terrifying it's so terrifying i every i mean I, i've been doing video and film stuff for almost 13 years now and i always whenever i finish a project um the ones I care about anyway, <laughs> the ones that I, I like put a lot of like effort into, I get so nervous when it like goes online and I'm like, Oh God, is anyone going to watch it? Is anyone going to like, like, is anyone going to like it? I don't, this is stupid that I'm staring at Facebook looking for like that thumbs up. Like this is stupid, but I need that. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like you need like validation that you, mm -hmm. you, your time was spent wisely. Your effort was spent wisely. Um, I do know what this film, Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really rough. Like um, one thing that I do hope to do is get it into some film festivals. We'll mm. see. Um, that's kind of my goal is to. It will be available online. Um, that to me is like not as cool. I feel like nobody's really like let me search for some documentaries on Vimeo. Like people aren't really doing that. So if you want people to watch it, like you kind of got to get them at film festivals, and then that's kind of how you get um, your film uh, wider. Uh, distribution and you get more um, PR on it and stuff like that and that's how people find the film um, I just already know I'm like oh my god going to a film festival and having to sit in a room with a bunch of other people watching them watch my film like I'm gonna vomit like I already, <laughs> like I'm gonna want to vomit like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I don't know how I'm gonna get through it, but I'm gonna have to because this is the right thing to do for the film. And if everyone hates it, then like, you know what? It is my first film. And if, you know, it's not perfect, if it's not well received or whatever, then it's like, well, then I just take what I learned from that experience and I apply it to the next one. The next film will be amazing, you know? So that, that's how I'm trying to look at it and trying to be optimistic about it. But it's, it's gonna be difficult. I already know that. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome way of looking at it. Do you usually watch your films or 
before when you were working with different different organizations to produce films did you watch it by yourself or did you still like watch it with people or you just didn't watch it when it was done um a, a kind of a combination of all those things like um i mean i always watch something before it's released like you know i i'm also an editor usually what i've done is i produce something and then i also edit it so like i'm watching it a zillion times in the editing process um so i definitely watch it i always have to do a thing where like i walk away and then i come back and then i have to do a last screening to make sure i didn't forget you know a comma anywhere or like you know there isn't any weird glitches so i always have to do that before i send it off sometimes it is i just send it off and then i'm like sitting there like waiting for that phone call to let me know if like they like it or not and then other times it's been like i have to sit down and watch it with you know the people i made the film with and i'm just like okay all right let's do this and like you know we're all kind of on the same page because we made the film together but I think with clients, I think that's where I get most nervous because, like, I sit down with a client and I'm like, all right, this video I made for you, let's watch it. And, uh, like, that's, like, the worst because it's, like, I just am staring, like, at their face, like, doing this, like, looking over the side. Like, I'm usually sitting next to them, so I'm just, like, looking out the corner of my eye, like, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? What are they thinking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the life, I guess. Yeah, it's all part of it. Who are you working with to produce this documentary? Do you have a team yet? I don't. Oh. Um, this is all me. This is all me right now. Um, it's a lot. I am hoping with this fundraising that I can raise funds to um, have someone help me with um, kind of analysis of data and research and that sort of thing because there's just so much research to be done. I mean, like, I have saved a zillion news articles and i've read maybe a third of them but every time i see anything where, where a headline or the byline has something that's related i'm like save 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 and it's just oh my god it, it's getting out of control so i i need more like time to sit down and do that and then i also would love to hire someone who can help me like go through that and figure out like you know what uh data points to pull and like what stuff we should be following up on what stuff we should dig deeper into um and then with the actual filming of it it's just going to be me because i'm doing it remotely i don't need someone to film them for me i do have a ton of experience with directing for interviews so i can do it and then with editing i i am an editor i started off as an editor so like i'm gonna i'm planning to do the editing although i i think i may need some help with that too so i'm gonna also try to raise funds for some additional um help with some of the more specific parts of editing like sound i'm a picture editor um, sound editing, I know how to do some of it, but I'm not an expert in it, so I'd love to hire an expert to actually make it sound really, really pretty. Um, and there'll be some other, other like, things I need to, um, uh, other, some other roles that I'll need to hire for eventually. Yeah. And something I recently learned is a specific term usually used in podcasts and in, in film as well, especially documentaries, is called scoring. When you, um, you just add music to heighten a moment. If you want something to be dramatic, you usually add the the little um, the little orchestras coming in, like the flurry of strings and stuff. If you want something calm, you chimes with the calm music. I don't know, nice calming music, and that's definitely something I've had to learn as well. Just scoring the podcast to create a story. I think it's very interesting. Did you send out any job posting? Not yet. I'm not here yet. I want to make sure I have funds to pay people. What I don't want to do is 
first of all, I am like, I'm a huge proponent of like, artists should not work for free. We are asked to work for free all the time, and it's honestly, it's inappropriate. Like, we have bills to pay, too. So, like, everybody, I would say, if there's anybody out there listening to this that is, like, considering being any kind of artist, graphic designer, something in music or sound, whatever, don't work for free. Don't do it. Because once you if you start doing it, it kind of, like, makes it okay. So I think if we all just start being like, nope, I'm getting paid, then, like, I think we're going to have an easier time making a living as, you know, these types of um, profession professionals. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to hire anybody or like start even talking to people about it until I know I have the funds to pay them. And I want to make sure people are paid what, you know, what they what they deserve to be paid. That's really important to me, too. I don't want to underpay anybody. So, um, yeah, I'm, and I'm also just really kind of figuring out exactly what I need because I want to make sure that I'm very specific so that I'm not going back and being like, oh, um, could you do this one other thing? Could you do this one other thing? Or like, yeah, could you yeah. like I want to be very specific because I hate when people do that to me. <laughs> like they hire me for one thing and then they're like, actually, could you, could you add this other like six clips to it? And I'm like, what? That's not what we talked about. So I want, I don't want to be that person to other people. Mm -hmm. That's definitely smart and just get people comfortable working with you and just the, the, the trust. Yep. Thank you for listening to part one of Creating Toxic Positivity. If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview, continue streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you stream. If you're interested in hearing how COVID-19 has impacted other social and political spaces, check out another podcast I'm in called Six Feet Apart, featuring Lucy Stark, Ahmed Khaldun, and Cassandra Mina. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and wherever else you stream. Until next time, stay safe and stay sane out there. <laughs>